HashiCast from HashiCorp. Welcome to HashiCast Women in Tech, where we empower you to enable change and help you to diversify your technical organization. In this series, we will bring to light the challenges women face in tech, hear limiting beliefs that are holding women back, share stories to inspire you, and give practical and actionable strategies to hire and retain technical women. I'm Sarah Pollan, a field CTO and thought leader throughout Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and an outspoken advocate for women in tech and those from non-traditional backgrounds. And I'm Kelly Kitagawa, a senior solutions engineer working with our largest global customers. My mission is to enable marginalized communities to thrive in the tech space. Welcome, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are joining us. I am so excited to be here today with our honored guest, Sagal Zarmi, and my co-host, Sarah Poland. Sarah, do you want to? Oh, we'll do intros afterwards. Um, we are so honored for you to be with us today, Sagal. Thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Absolutely, our pleasure. As part of our inaugural podcast today, we're highlighting our HashiCast Women in Tech, and we wanted to go through some wonderful questions surrounding career progression with you. So Sarah, do you want to kick us off? Sure. So the first thing we're going to do is a set of just rapid fire questions, just whatever comes to your mind. So what is your favorite publication? I read the Wall Street Journal every day cover to cover. And I read the paper because I found that I read much more of it because yeah, when I have it <laughs> as a paper. Who do you go to for career advice? My husband. I I, uh, I love his perspective and the way he thinks so different than mine and he's in a different profession. So always good to get an outside view. Brilliant. Guilty pleasure? Whipped cream. Nice. <laughs> tech themes to watch for. It has to be generative AI. Cringeworthy tech trends. Generative AI. (laughs) (laughs) Proudest personal accomplishment. Gotta go with my kids. I love them to death. Early riser or night owl? Early. Unusual skill or hidden talent? Dancing. Used to dance in a professional dancing company. (gasps) How cool is that? I used to be a professional opera singer. Here you go. And now you're in tech. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What kind of dancing was it, Sigal? Modern ballet. Wow. Cool. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Who is a woman, dead or alive, that inspires you? I'll go with Michelle Obama. I think she's just amazing. I follow her. I listen to her. I read her books. Uh, gives me so much inspiration. Here, here. Favorite song that always makes you dance? Don't stop me now. I'm having <laughs> such a good time. I'm having a ball. <laughs> yes. And what has been your favorite role? My favorite role was one of the roles I had when I was at GE Capital. I was the chief operating officer for Energy Financial Services. And I love that role because it really balanced my personal life and professional life. Uh, the office was four minutes from my home. Uh, my kids were young enough that they listened to me and what I said to them. Uh, I was able to drop them off at school and pick them up because I was so close to their schools. And, and professionally, it was wonderful as well because it was a challenging role. I was responsible for things that were broader than technology. There were uh, operational items and uh, portfolio management. 
and risk-related items. So it was a role that encompassed mm. was challenging, was broader than technology, which I loved, and mm. gave me also the balance uh, personally. I love hearing that what? chief operating officer can give you a work-life balance that is really optimal for you. That's like, I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> well, it, it was the, everything was in place, the right time, the right age of mm. the kids. With some of the lighter questions out of the way, and now that we've gotten to know you a little bit better and your personality, <laughs> I'd love to like dive in a little bit deeper about your career and how it's progressed. And one of the things for me that comes up pretty regularly when I'm talking to other women and mentoring other women centers around some limiting beliefs and what they think is possible and what isn't possible being very much a minority in the tech scene. So what are some limiting beliefs that you hear from women that are holding them back? First and foremost, the bias that a lot of people feel, not just women, that they're not that women are not technical mm. enough, that they're mm. too much of a generalist and the real good engineers are not women. And I think uh, there aren't enough role model of women engineers that are right. head of product development. That is a problem because women don't see others in senior roles. They don't see those role models. So they feel like they might not be good enough. That bias is not just holding women back. It's also holding men from realizing potentially women. How do you address that? Is there anything that you do when you either you're mentoring or talking to, to other women like us today? I think it has to be something that companies work on. Really identifying potential, men mentoring women, pulling them up, giving them opportunities, giving them stretch roles. In some of the roles that I had as, as an executive, that's what we did. And, and we had some great successes with women who really stepped up and really enhanced their technical skills and, and were able to really contribute a lot on the engineering side and were just wonderful in what they could achieve, not just as an engineer, but also as a, as a leader of an engineering team. But you need to instill confidence. And, and that's the biggest thing mm -hmm. In many of the issues that we have with women in STEM and technology is the confidence. Mm. Do they have the confidence in themselves and do others have confidence in them? It has to be both sides, top down and bottom up. Yeah. How do you work on that confidence yeah. on your side of things? Perhaps today you're a little bit more confident than you were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But where does that fall for you and how do you challenge your confidence level? I definitely can tell you that today my confidence level is not what it was 30 years ago. And I wish that I had sponsors and mentors and coaches and friends that would really build up my confidence in my younger years um, mm. to just reinforce and, and tell me, yes, mm. you can do that. You should go for those roles. You can uh, stretch yourself. Don't feel like you're being held back. And that, that's why I think mentoring and sponsorship is really important. That's why I think having a, an inclusive belonging culture is really important. Leaders at every company have to work hard on that, especially in technology. Yeah. So what would you say to women that are afraid to challenge that status quo? Maybe they have the confidence in place or are starting to build that confidence. But, you know, like we've said, changing that and making sure that representation is there is something that's very much a work in progress. I think changing the status quo goes beyond just 
promotions. It can be mm-hmm. how you show up in a meeting. It can be how you work with your team members on, on a development project. Challenging the status quo is something that you need to feel confidence to do every day throughout your work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you don't feel that you can express your beliefs and stand up to what you think is the right thing to do, then you really need to reach out to a friend, to a co-worker, to somebody you work with. Yeah. Uh, and I know that helped me a lot. Uh, when I was at um, GE, GE had a woman network, so an affinity mm-hmm. network. And that goes to all the affinity groups. You get a, a trusted group, the people that can help you go through difficult times. It's impossible to do this alone, right? And asking for help or I've even heard about people getting external um, like career coach or a growth coach, yep. but particularly you could even have mentors outside of the company as well to give you an outside perspective or someone like your husband, like you mentioned, you go to for advice, right? It doesn't have to be. Well, people you worked with in the past yeah. or, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have a good trusted friend in the organization that understands the dynamics of the organization and what you're going through. And just reach out, you know, I found out that, that many, many of the executive teams that I worked with, every time somebody junior reached out to them for advice, the door was always open. Um, mm. They don't recall yeah. any talk about any executive that says, well, I don't have time to talk to this mm, junior yeah. person. You, and you don't have to ask for help, but you can ask for advice. What would you have done in this situation? Mm. The, the worst thing that can happen is that if you don't do that, and then you right. feel like you are not really achieving your potential, that you're not mm. really fulfilling yourself, that you're not accomplishing your goals. Mm. And you know what? Looking back, you're going to be sorry you didn't do that. Mm, I love the call out to urgency, right? The worst thing you could do is nothing. And um, <laughs> it's a good encouragement, especially even for me now. I, I totally understand the what are you waiting for as well. And you know, especially in the remote world, right? Maybe if you're used to being in the office and you see executives more, you know, you have to be really intentional and be brave and just ask for a coffee chat or like a 15 minute introduction and get to know the people around you or people in leadership that you look up to. And I love that from someone in such a um, high place as well, that most people that you've talked to are open to meeting with even junior people. It's a good reminder. And, and you're absolutely right. When you're working remotely, you have to be intentional about it because those conversations yeah. doesn't happen naturally. The way to be intentional about it is really sit back every Sunday night and say, who am I going to reach out to this week? And your yeah. goal should be to reach out to two people every week. That's not much. And sometimes it's just, what are you working on? And sometimes I'm yeah. running into this issue. What advice do you have? Homework for everyone. Two people a week. Done. <laughs> okay. I want to switch topics on the career progression for you specifically, Sagal, in your career, specifically on getting to the next level. So you mentioned you started your career as a software developer and now all the way to an award-winning CIO. Now you're a board member. And for some of us that are in the individual contributor roles, you know, I get a lot of questions about like, how do you get promoted or how do you get to the next level? And I think there's a like demystifying around promotions and getting to the next level. And I was curious for someone at your level as well. Did you have to ask or negotiate or be really specific about what you wanted when you got to each role and when when you wanted to get to the next one? Or did 
someone just tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? I think you'd be great for a promotion. I'm going to put you up. Yeah. So I always heard about people who were tapped to a promotion and uh, somebody pulled them out and said, you're going to be wonderful at that. Never happened to me. Uh, (laughs) Same. Same. (laughs) I learned really early on in my second or third year as a, as a developer, there was an opening and, you know, friends were saying, oh, you, you're going to get tapped. They're going to pick you for a team leader. And I was like, feeling good about it. Everybody gave me really reinforcement that I'm the right person. I would be great at that, blah, 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 blah. But somebody else got picked up. So I went and talked to the manager and the answer was, oh, I didn't even know you were interested. Um, ah. Heartbreak. Heartbreaking. So I, I learned early on that if you want something, you have to make people know what you want and you have to ask. Mm-hmm. And it might not happen right away and it might take a while because there are other things that are happening in the organization. But if you're not asking, what else do I need to do? What else do I need to learn? How do I enhance my skill set? What experiences do I need mm-hmm. in order to get this next role? then people don't know they're not aware and you might be overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you also and as an executive that there are so many instances where I was sitting in promotion meetings and people's name came up and leaderships were saying, oh, they're not interested. And I was like, how do you know? Did you ask them? So I'm a big believer of asking for what you want not in a threatening way, but making sure people understand what your goals are and asking what other experiences, what other skill set do you need to have and how can you get that skill set in order to get to the next level? So for example, if you're an individual contributor mm-hmm. and you want to be a team leader, go and talk to your team leader about how did you get to be a team leader? What experience do I need to do? Yeah. Can you give yeah. me someone to manage? Can I be in charge of the interns? What else do I need to do in order to be known to the people who are making those decisions and to be qualified? And I love leading with curiosity, right? Like asking a bunch of questions, making it a conversation, right? It's not a closed loop dialogue of you saying, I want a promotion. It's how do I get there? What are the qualities? What makes me qualified? I I love that part. I really love also that you call out being visible. I think so many times particularly as women, we think that it's all merit-based and it's all about how well we do a job and the execution on that job. So the fact that you're calling out that, No, it's really Mm -hmm. also about making yourself visible and saying, this is what I want. This is how I want to go about it. How do I do that? And working with somebody and working with your, your leadership to, to get what you want to. And the point that you want to, it's it's very powerful. It it is a meritocracy. It is a meritocracy. I hope in most places, I hope so, but it's more than just a meritocracy. At GE, we had something that, you know, really resonated with me at the time that says, you have to think about high performance, mm. image, and exposure. Mm. So performance, yeah. that's the meritocracy. You have to perform. You have to yeah. discuss it. That's the number one. That's a table stake. Image is how you show up, how you interact with others. How do you make sure that you can work in a team environment and contribute? How do you have a positive attitude? And exposure is really the networking. 
is who knows about you and knows what your goals are. When you're looking at performance, do you ever feel like that bar is set higher for you as a woman than it might be for some of your peers? I always felt that personally, Mm. but I think it's more something that I put on myself than Mm. others put on me. And And I see that with other women as well. They have higher expectations of themselves than others have Mm. of them. They feel like they need to prove something. Now, for me, it might have been because, you know, originally I came to the US from Israel. I didn't speak good English. I didn't have the right uh, network. So I always felt that I need to work harder, maybe as an immigrant. Uh, and prove myself because you know you hear my name and you say oh where, where is it from you hear my accent <laughs> and you say, oh maybe she doesn't really know what she's talking about so maybe it's something I put on myself but I also mm-hmm. find that out with others that definitely resonates with me I always feel like the bar has oh, to be yeah. set very high and that whatever I decide I'm going to do it has to be achieved I still mm-hmm. feel that even with my current board work and some of the advisory work I do, and and maybe it's just my work ethics, but I do feel that. And how do you address that with yourself? I work hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I mean, have, do you ever come to a point where you need to settle on something that's good enough to be able to maintain your sanity, or how do you how do you determine where that meritocracy lies with you? It really doesn't really impact my my sanity much because. Okay. And the reason is because I like what I do. I always felt passionate mm. about technology. I always felt excited about what technology could, can do yeah. um, to make the organization be more efficient and more effective and to really innovate and you know develop new products and services and really advance all kinds of things. There's so much that I feel that technology can do. So that passion always kind of drove me. So I didn't I didn't feel my need to prove myself was uh, getting out of hand, <laughs> if you will. Um, but, you know, sometimes I do just need to say, you know, it's good enough. So kind of on that note of meritocracy and achievements, how do you set goals for yourself and career goals specifically? You've achieved an enormous amount, COO, CIO, now board members on a couple different companies. How did you determine what that path was going to look like for you? Did you say, this is where I want to end up and work towards that? Was it step by step? I am curious. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the things that always was was part of me. I love to learn. If you ask my uh, high school friends, they'll tell you Sigal was always the one who asked the most questions in the class. Ah. Always. <laughs> Um, I'm observant and I'm learning from others. And I think I kind of charted my path uh, just from watching what others are doing and thinking about opportunities in that way. I really, when I moved to the US, my plan was to get my MBA at Columbia. That was kind of the plan. And things just happened from there. Uh, I think that the turning point was when I started with GE Capital. And GE at the time under Jack Welsh was so much focused about people and development. It was very common to get a new role every 18 months to two years Mm. uh, in order to really get you as a rounded leader, in order to make sure you learn a lot. And, And I loved it. I thrived in that environment because I loved to learn. In 18 years, I had nine different roles at GE. 
And wow. not in all of them, I stayed for two years. Some of them were shorter periods, some of them were longer. And I love that because I moved around, I learned so many things, I was able to really grow as a leader. And I think that kind of developed my career in a way that mm-hmm. probably if I did not join GE, it would have looked very different. So it sounds like it was a little bit more growth-driven and learning-driven, so something that responds to your person and who you are and that goal as opposed to sort of an end goal of I want to be a CIO, but it's really more about you really wanted to learn and take things one step further. Yeah, basically, I'm not saying that's the right path. If I had a goal to be a CIO right from the beginning, I probably would have got to be a CIO much earlier than I did. Because I would work just towards that. There's always that saying, right? That success or your career path is a linear line, right? The myth of, oh, I'm going to get to CAO. I have to do this, 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 this. But it is so far from the truth. You go backwards, forwards, up, down. It's a jungle gym versus just a straight ladder going up. Right. And the thing is that you get sometimes opportunities that are risky and you have to take Mm. that risk. People who are willing to take more risk than I did, moved much faster than I did. Have there been any keys or downfalls for you ultimately achieving what you have? I think there have been a few lateral moves. I did take sometimes roles that were smaller budgets, smaller teams, but it it was the right role uh, for the right time. I had to balance more than just my professional uh, career, you know, with a family and uh, dual careers. You know, sometimes you have to balance more than Uh, just what I want to do. I'm not sorry for that. And to your point too about risk, it's like risk can mean a lot of things. It's like, do you want to move to a country if you've just um, started a job or, you know, like at some points in your career, you're willing to take on more risk versus others. Like I just bought a house and I have a mortgage now and it's like, oh, well, I'm in a commission-based role. So you know, every role could mean a little bit, uh, it depends on what your appetite is for more growth or risk or change. Um, than others along your career. Completely agree. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the CIO level. You know, once you started getting to the executive level, there already are not as many women. We're very underrepresented in technology as a whole, but especially when you get to the executive level, um, you see fewer and fewer women going into leadership. I was curious if there were specific gender dynamics that were at play over the course of your career of getting to the CIO or the executive level. And, you know, if there were, or did you feel like, Uh, you had to overcome them maybe different from your male colleagues? I'm not sure about the gender dynamics. I think it goes back to what I said earlier, that many times when there is a big role being opened, there are discussions at the executive level about who is the best person to fill that role. And Mm. the question for women is, how do you make sure your name is in the mix? What I did find out is that a lot of leaders are conflict averse. They don't want to talk about the uncomfortable issues. Yeah. Mm. So, and they don't give you good feedback either. I inherited the group like two months before performance evaluation, because I didn't know the group. I went back to the prior year to see what, was written and what was the discussion about. And I was shocked to see one word for each question. I asked the team, I said, you know, what was the conversation? And they said, we never had a conversation. I never had a performance review, really. And they were working under that leader 
for years. And that happens because a lot of leaders don't feel comfortable giving feedback, either good or bad. Mm. So you need to find other ways to get feedback because if you don't get it from your manager and some managers don't, don't feel comfortable, get it from others. Ask other people, what's the word on the street about me? Tell me I'm going into this presentation. At the end of this presentation, please give me feedback. Tell them ahead of time. Don't ask them after. Because mm. if you ask them after, they say, oh, yeah, you were great. You were great. But if you ask them mm. ahead, say, yeah. please watch me. Please listen. I'm looking for feedback. I want to learn. They will give you good feedback. Nice. Yeah, I like the, the specific piece around feedback, not just around your role, but around your image from what you mentioned earlier too. Like how do people view me as a leader or as a team player? That's such a really good call out that we're so focused on the role specifically and not necessarily our exposure or the image piece also. That's a, it's a really good point. Yeah. And I think something Kelly, you and I have discussed previously is this first of all, the feedback element that, you know, that feedback is so critical, whether it's positive or negative and making sure that it's tied to an actionable item. So if you, Mm -hmm. you know, being told, yeah, it was great. It's not particularly helpful, but if you can pin down what is good and what good looks like, then that, that is valuable feedback, but also tying that back then to, you know, kind versus nice. I think in leadership positions, we want to be nice and we want to make sure that people are thriving and doing a good job. But sometimes we miss the mark in terms of what is actually kind versus nice. And sometimes giving that difficult feedback or having that difficult conversation um, is much kinder than just telling somebody that they're doing a good job mm. and glossing over something. So it's really okay. informative. And I love hearing that feedback is something that's also fueled you in your career and helped you grow as a person and something also that you've completely sought after. And, mm. and don't be defensive. Mm. Take that feedback. Don't be defensive. Learn from it. If somebody said something, there was a reason why. Learn from it. You might disagree with it. But think it through, don't be defensive. Yeah, being able to receive feedback and and decipher which parts are really constructive and which parts are not. And I feel like, yeah, if you aren't specific about the ask of feedback, they might be like, oh, well, I've gotten this feedback, especially when I was consulting, that I was too bubbly. And I was like, that's not the feedback I was looking for. I meant on my work, not my personality, but thank you. (laughs) Yeah, but that's good feedback too, right? Right? Because yeah. if that's how you come across, yeah, you have to step back and think, is that how I want to come across? And it's really helpful to get it like, this is how others are perceiving me in this way, especially in front of clients, uh, right? But to your point, Seagal, it's like picking what is valuable to you and what will help propel you. But knowing those things is also really critical. You know, uh, and, and this kind of ties into the next question really around, uh, well, you mentioned feedback, but were there also unspoken rules that you encountered in terms of your career progression that you had to learn the, the hard way or that no one really told you or you didn't read about? I think the biggest role is how much you really need to invest in networking and make sure mm. that you really know people on a personal level. At one of my roles, we had a leadership meeting every Monday morning and the first 10 minutes were always around the weekend sports. And you know what? Every you know Monday morning, I had to ask my husband, you know, what happened on the weekend? So I will be able to be part of the conversation and not just sit there and be quiet. 
so so those th- you have to be really astute of the dynamics and the culture of the organization. Mm. Mm. When you're working remotely, there are different dynamics, right? Mm. When you get on a call, there is always the first five minutes of something. How can you be part of it? How can you contribute? So the, the rules of the, um, I call it the networking, but the, the things that are not so much about this, it's more about the soft stuff and it's less about the actual deliverables of your job are important. Mm. And just being aware of them, a rule can be, unspoken rule can be, you can't say no too many times. Because ah. you say no too many times, people might not reach out to you. Mm. So, and it could be That's you say one. no for a volunteering event, you say no for a special project, you say no for, you know, uh, an informal gathering, you say no for a role. Yeah. It could be so many things that you need, need yeah. to be conscious that they the culture and the environment. Mm. And watch out, who does get promoted? Who does get the perfect project that you want to be on? Mm. Who gets those plum assignment? Watch out, who are those people? And learn from that. Yeah, you mentioned the word being astute to it and really observing, right? Like I I feel like so we get so stuck in performing in our role and doing our day-to-day duties, but taking, you know, five minutes a week or even 30 minutes a week to network, but also just take take a step back and really observe about um, the types of people that are being promoted in your organization or the types of people that are valued or or even having those conversations um, with leadership as well. I, I love the call out to really just take a step back and look from a 10,000 foot view rather than just your day-to-day role. Like look at the types of people in your org that are really succeeding. And, and try to see what's the common thread. What, what does leadership look for? Because mm-hmm. each organization is different and each organization has its own culture and dynamics. And there are not two organizations that are alike. So you, you, know, you need to become part of the fabric of that organization in order to succeed in that organization. So really understanding how those inner workings are is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point, it's different in every organization. So asking and validating back and forth of what that is, every organization you get into and really knowing what they are is, is such a good call. What, what is unspoken at one company might not be at another. Well, I know we're coming up, but we have one minute left. And Sarah, do we have time for one more question or should we wrap up? Well, I'd love to hear what the craziest thing anyone has ever said to you in a professional context is. That's a really good question. Somebody said to me, you need to smile more. Uh, <laughs> <no>. uh. <laughs> and I was pretty senior. It was not earlier in my career. And I'm happy to say that I had the confidence, not at the moment, at the moment I was stunned, but a day later I went back and, I, and I'm very proud of myself that I had the confidence to say, you know, think about it. Would you ever say that to a man? Yeah. No. And they were thinking about it and they said, you know what? You're right. That's a very wow. gentle, specific comment. Mm. Yes. And I yes. guarantee you they will never say that again. But the key that I wanted to point out there mm. is not the fact that they said it to me. Is that those kind of things are being said all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not specifically oh, yeah. that remark, but similar gender biased remark. Mm. And, if, and people don't even know this. They don't even think about it. Mm. And we need to have the confidence 
It goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, the confidence to point it out. Because I really believe yeah. everybody's trying to do the right thing. People just yeah. not aware of the biases and the mental model they have. And sometimes myself or others just say the wrong thing. I mean, it happens, right? We're but human. If, if yeah. We're, we're human. But if we have the confidence to point it out and say, you know what? And do it in a respectful way, maybe not in the same meaning, maybe afterwards, talk to a person and say, you know what? Mr. So-and-so, I noticed how you cut out that comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You spoke over that person. You didn't really let them finish their thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was not the right thing to do. Continue to reinforce those things. People would improve. And I think it's upon all of us to speak up when we see something happen. Because that's mm-hmm. the only way people are going to learn from it and really treat others with a sense of inclusiveness Mm. and belonging. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Here, here. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, reinforcing here and here. And it's a really big call out to our allies as well. It's not just women, but also men that see something that uh, someone is not being spoken over and and really uh, taking the feedback in, but having the confidence to also question it or challenge it or discuss it. Maybe uh, after you might've taken a breather, I I probably would have had to go... uh, (laughs) take a few moments to take it in before having the confidence to to challenge someone on that the way to challenge is, is it, you know if it's somebody senior than you or somebody you don't feel comfortable yeah. you can say you know when you said this to that person it made me feel so you're putting it upon mm. yourself you yeah. don't don't say you yeah. did wrong right you say it made I me feel it. thank you okay. Sigal. much appreciated have a good day you too bye-bye thank you bye HashiCast from HashiCorp. Get the latest episodes automatically in your favorite podcast app. Just click follow or subscribe and find out more at HashiCorp.com.